Hey everybody, welcome to Rainier View. My name is Erica. I'm one of our student ministry pastors, one of our teaching pastors here on staff. I'm so glad that you joined us. Uh, welcome to my press conference. No, I'm, 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 just, I'm just kidding. We're doing something a little bit different today. I want you to think about the best party that you've ever been to. Maybe it was a dinner party where people lingered around the table for a really long time. Maybe it was your own wedding. <laughs> Maybe it was a birthday party that you attended or a birthday party that someone threw for you. Now, I'm gonna tell you about a wedding that I loved attending. Here's the deal. If you have ever invited me to a wedding, a birthday party, a dinner party, and I am not about to tell the story of your place, please know that that does not mean, uh, it does not sit very dearly to me. But this wedding was such a unique experience for me. It was in college. A friend of mine was getting married and they were really excited about the fact that they were having a really small wedding. And I was like, I've never been to a small wedding. This is probably gonna feel super awkward. So I went into it really, really nervous. And let me tell you, it was one of the most fun and beautiful weddings that I'd ever been to because the people that were there were the people that were truly invested. They wanted to be part of this couple's lives. There were tables like this set up and they lined around the dance floor so everybody could see the whole evening, everything that was going on, every dance that happened, every special moment. It was so beautiful and wonderful to witness. Now, we do have to have a quick conversation here about the difference between a party and a celebration. A celebration I th it can, can be whatever the person who is being honored or, or is choosing to celebrate, however they want it to be. They can be by themselves, it can be with a really small number of people, but a party instantly indicates that there are going to be people there. I feel like if there's more than four people, like it is now a party, or more than four people invited. I'm from a family of six, so that would mean that every day was a party, and that is actually not, not the case if you're from a large family. You, you get it. <laughs> but anyways, if you are going to throw a party, that means that you are going to be welcoming a lot of people into your space. People with different preferences, people with different life stories, people with different experiences than yours. And one of the things that we have to do when we throw parties, when we welcome people into our spaces, is we have to make room for them, for their whole selves to be welcomed, to get to be part of it. Now, if the party or the celebration is in honor of somebody else, that's okay. Like, th like their preferences weigh a little bit heavier than everybody else. But the best way to welcome someone is to create the space that that person needs to be there, to be part of what's happening, to be part of a celebration. And my parents modeled this for me really beautifully growing up. And growing up, I really wanted stairs. Um, stairs just seemed really fun. Like when you watched TV shows, they would like, you know, slide down the stairs or slide down the banister. Uh, you could have these big grand entrances on the stairs. I loved getting to see those moments. I wanted stairs, but my parents were very, very adamant about having a single story house. And as a child, I didn't fully understand it, but now as an adult, I get it. My mom's aunt had been in a wheelchair for my entire life. My mom wanted her aunt to be able to come to our house with, with no possibility of feeling uncomfortable. We even had a ramp up to our front door so she could easily get into our home. Ended up paying off so well in the long run as more and more family members aged, they never had to worry about how to get into our house, if they would be comfortable, if they would be safe. They just knew. Did it 
crush my dream of having stairs? Sure. But was it better in the long run? Absolutely, 100%. We are in this series called He Gets Us. And Jesus attended parties. Parties where people showed up, took up space. Jesus did a good job of making room for them because inviting someone, their entire selves, is one of the greatest gifts that we can give someone. And so we're going to look at some of these parties together. We are going to be looking through the book of Luke together at several different parties. Jesus attended a lot of them, so I've only picked a few of them for us to talk about together today. Now, like I said, these stories are going to be throughout the book of Luke. Now, Luke is a gospel, and the gospels tell us about how Jesus lived, what he valued, where he went, uh, what he said. And, and Luke, this particular gospel, um, while all of them are telling us about how Jesus lived, all of, us are, all of these gospels are painting for us a really beautiful uh, portrayal of Jesus when we get to read them all together, but each author had their own lens that they were writing with, their own things that felt important, and their own audience in particular that they were writing to. Luke would have been the only non-Jewish author of a gospel, which meant that he used different language and he focused on different things than, than his other counterparts did, and it meant that his, the gospel that he wrote had the widest appeal at the time. Now, if you don't have a Bible or Bible reading is super new to you. I am so glad that you're here with us today. Uh, you can download the app version, and it is a great tool to use. They have Bible reading plans. Um, they can help you do a little bit of like deep dives on different topics. They'll also read the Bible out loud to you, which is one of my favorite features because some mornings waking up to read the Bible, like I'm not a morning person. And so the words get like kind of blurred and, 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 and it's just nice that someone is very consistently reading this to me out loud. The first dinner party that we are going to be looking at is in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 through 39. And this is what it reads. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray. So do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the old patch and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. This moment comes after Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man, which causes quite a stir amongst the people. And then he calls Levi, a tax collector, to be a disciple. 
disciples would have been Jesus' closest people. And tax collectors back then had a very different job than what they have now. Back then, they would learn about the amount of money that they were to go to the people in their community, collect, and then return to the government. But there wasn't the internet. So people couldn't check or confirm how much did they actually owe. So let's say a person owed the government $500. Well, the tax collector could show up and say, give me $800. The person had no way of checking or knowing. And so they would just give the $800 and, and the tax collector would pocket the 300 and then the 500 would go back to the government. They would hurt the people closest to them, the people that they were living in community with. And this is who Jesus has called to be a disciple. This is who Jesus has called and, and, and walked into his home. This, this man is throwing Jesus a dinner party. At Jesus' table are the people who have hurt other people. But let's look at who else is at this party. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And they're asking Jesus about why he is doing all of the things that he's doing. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were like, we know everything that there is to know. Why are we like welcoming this new guy? We don't need this new guy. And they're getting pretty frustrated with Jesus that he would show up and he would do something new and he would, he would do something that hadn't ever been done before. He's bringing something that isn't stuck in their old pattern and their old system. And so while he is around, rejoicing and celebrating is more than okay. It is encouraged. Jesus comes to bring life and life to the fullest. And within that, he welcomes people to the table who are antagonistic to his cause. We're going to go to another party together. This party is two chapters ahead in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. This is what it reads. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. 
Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who, who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So again, Jesus is hanging out with people who are like, why are you doing the things that you're doing? Uh, you know, and not in like a casual way, more of a like, we're fundamentally disagreeing with everything that you are doing, right? There are antagonizers at this table. So again, Jesus has to address this. He has to step into this moment. And so Jesus is making space for a woman to be at this party, which seems like still kind of a big deal in 2023, but less of a big deal than it would have been back then. See, back then, men and women really didn't even interact with one another unless they were married to one another or related. So for this interaction to be happening, it is blowing the minds of everyone who is around. And not only is Jesus making a way for this woman to attend this party, to be safe at this party, he is saying what she is doing is better than what any of you here have done. She has treated me better. She's shown her love. Jesus welcomes those to the table who society says he shouldn't. He welcomes the outcast. We're going to look at one last party together, uh, the Last Supper, if you will. Now, a lot of you will have seen illustrations of this moment, paintings of this moment. You have heard this moment spoken of before, and I encourage you that if the only thing that is coming to your mind are really old paintings of this moment, chuck them out of your brain. <laughs> Let this moment be and speak for itself. We're going to read from Luke chapter 22, verse 14. This is what it reads. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Now this meal is a significant meal for them. This would have been like gathering for their Christmas or their Easter. The Passover was their opportunity to pause and remember that God had saved them before. And Jesus, in this moment, with his disciples, with his people who he has loved and cared for, he is saying, hey, you know, we're gathering to remember what has already happened. You already have this habit of remembering how God has saved you. I am now going to set up something new, something new to remember so that in the future, you won't forget. 
It is a huge moment. It is an absolute change in how the disciples were understanding what Jesus was here to do. Jesus is also looking around the table and seeing the person who would betray him sitting at the table, the person who would give up his location, the person who was giving information to other people that were coming for and ultimately trying to harm Jesus. Around the table, he has welcomed the person that he knew would betray him. He's welcoming a betrayer. Now, you are probably sitting there super confused because you're like, Erica, you said this was the last supper. This should have been the last meal, but there are four play settings. <laughs> what are we doing? Well, here's the deal. Jesus makes room for you at the table. You get to be at the table. I get to be at the table, not because of anything that I have done, but all because of what Jesus has done. If you're watching this in real time, uh, today is a day that is also known as Palm Sunday. And, and it's not a day that we um, celebrate here so much at Rainier View, but, but churches that are super, um, I'm going to use a really fancy word here, uh, liturgical, uh, which just means that they have a lot of rhythms and they, they follow something called the church calendar. But Palm Sunday is the day that, that people remember and celebrate Jesus coming into town. And it is the parade of all parades. They're, they're waving palm fronds and they're laying them on the ground and Jesus is coming in on a donkey and people are singing the praises of Jesus. They are so excited that he has arrived in their town. And Palm Sunday kicks off what is also known as Holy Week. And it is the week leading up to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Good Friday, Easter Sunday. And it was a few years ago, it was in 2020, that Palm Sunday for the first time in my whole life convicted me. Because I had felt God saying to me, hey, you're in a season of preparation. I'm preparing you for something. And I was under the assumption that, that God was preparing me for something super cool. And then a pandemic hit and I was stuck at home. And I so quickly realized that I loved to celebrate and praise God when he was doing exactly what I wanted. I was less inclined to celebrate and praise God when the circumstances were not to my liking. And oftentimes we can look around a table we can look around who gets invited to a party and not be pleased with who is there. Be unsure of what is going on. But Jesus has paved a way for everyone to have a seat at the table. We not only have an invitation to join Jesus, we have an invitation to invite others to our table as well. Because if I am only seeking love and validation from the people around me, then why on earth would I invite someone to my table who doesn't love me, who doesn't support me, who doesn't cheer for me? But if I am remembering that Jesus first starts with love, 
that I am extravagantly loved and therefore I can love others, well, then, then that's, that's a real game changer. Jesus goes out of his way time and time again with every person he welcomes around him to let them know that first and foremost, they are loved. Then he calls them from sin. There will be a point in time where if you continue to follow Jesus, he is going to say, oof, there's something here that has to shift, that has to change. But it is not from a place of you having to earn Jesus's love. You have it. It's there. Jesus came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins and my sins. And that is what we pause to celebrate when we pause for communion here at Rainier View. Now, if you're watching this from home, you're like, I'm not physically at Rainier View, but I'm so glad that you're joining us on our online campus. And here's the deal. Communion is nothing fancy. Jesus chose the bread and the wine because they were things that the people would have had easy access for. I have heard so many stories of people having powerful moments of communion with things that did not make sense. Someone who was taking communion in a hospital with grape soda and cheese crackers because that's what the vending machine had to offer. People in tropical countries that use coconuts because the, the, the bread and the water, the, the inside of the coconut and the, and the water of the coconut is what is in abundance. It is so that we would remember all of the time when we gathered around meals, when we gather at church, what Jesus has done. You get a seat at the table that you do not have to clean yourself up for, that you do not have to try to achieve perfection before you can come join the table. If you are wanting to take that next step, please reach out to our online hosts, reach out to our people. We would love to be able to celebrate this moment with you. Set aside some time this week to pause for communion with whatever it is that you have available to remember that salvation isn't earned, but it is given by Jesus. That Jesus starts with love and our lives fundamentally change. Thank you for joining us today.